Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad that you're joining me at this time and hope you are able to take advantage of the podcast and listen to any of the shows that you haven't been able to or that you missed. We kind of go in kind of an order, and so a lot of the shows build on one another. So we are, we are really doing this whole entire month on having the best year ever. And so we've been talking about these six different points of how we really can have the best year ever and what we can do about that, what we have control over, what we don't have control over. And so what I want you to really think about as you are focusing on this, and I say this every week, is that we're not doing this year in comparison to other years. We are really wanting this year to be the best it can be. Not necessarily the best year you've ever had. I mean, I hope that happens. But we really are wanting this year, we want to set it up as much as we have control over to have the best year that we could have. All that God has planned for it, all that God has planned for us in the meantime. So we looked at these six different things that we do to set this up. And the first one was the position of intention. And that means that we said every day that we start is a new year in and of itself. Every day is a new day. Every moment is a new moment. We can redo, reset at any point. And so we really practice not doing those resolutions because we really want then to do this, this second one where we really bring the year to a close and we keep it closed. So 2019 is over with. It's done. It's dead, buried. So the only thing we do with 2019 or any year prior, if we go back into any of those years to look at what was done, it's only to learn from. It is never for condemnation. It's never to do the shoulda, coulda, woulda, if only then. It's really simply to learn. That's why God gives us memory, is so that we can learn from what was going on in the past, other people's mistakes, other people's successes, our mistakes, our successes, what we want to repeat, what we want to not ever repeat. So that's what we do with last year and the years prior. So we keep that year closed. We don't revisit it to beat ourselves up with it or to wish that we were back there. And so the next thing that we really worked on, and and this is what we really talked about last week, and that was creating new beginnings for myself. And that's by asking God for the new things he has for me. And we talked a lot about that verse that says, you know, great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. That he has new things for us. He tells us that we are a new creation. That the old is gone, the new is here. And that's what this year is about, that I can be a new person even in this year. And we don't want to get in the way of the new things that God is attempting to create, that he's wanting to do through us, that he's wanting to do for us and with us. And so we talked about not putting on those old wineskins, 
that we don't go back in the past, that we really let God clothe us in new things. And that means old ways of thinking. We want to make sure that we perceive those old ways of thinking. And so this is very important that we also believe that God has those great plans for us. And he talks about that in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. He says, I have good plans, plans to prosper you, not to harm you for hope in a future. So we want to let God's plans unfold. Doesn't mean that we don't get to talk to him about maybe what we're planning. But we really want to make sure that we understand God's ways are better than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And so this is really important as we come then to this next one. And we're going to talk a lot today about this. And the fourth one that we're going to talk about is I will manage my internal and external world. Now, we have talked about this in previous shows. We talked some about it last week. And this is truly about self-care. And this goes again to say, am I willing to care for God's precious little one? Truthfully, you know, nobody really wants to do this. But we're with ourselves 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so this idea of the internal and external world, I'm going to take a lot more time today to talk about that because this is kind of the command center. So even if I don't get all the other ones that we're talking about, if I get this one, this one really translates into all the other areas of my life. That's why I want us to take so much time on this one. So when we look at what self-care is, self-management, reparenting. See, think about that verse when, God, when Jesus was talking about, hey, it's better that a millstone is placed around your neck than to harm one of my little ones. And when I really started to look at that and understand that God is saying, you know, I'm glad, I'm thankful, Cynthia, that you're careful about harming all the people that I bring to you for care and that you're diligent and cognizant about not harming even a stranger. I don't like to harm anyone. But what he's saying is, you're one of my little ones and you don't always seem to care if you harm yourself. And so harming ourselves can be as simple as just being mean to ourselves inside of ourselves. It could be something like not wanting to eat the way that we should eat, not exercising so that we're not aging well, right? It could be harming his little one. It could be the things we allow ourselves to watch, the things we allow ourselves to read, the way we let ourselves think what we're willing to take from someone, what we withhold from someone. Think of the ways that you might be harming his little one because you're a child of God. Even though we're grown adults and we're an adult in this world, we are still God's children. And he considers us his little ones. And he says it's better that you would put a millstone around your neck. That means a millstone is, I mean, that's, that's like a lot of weight. And if you would place that around your neck, throw yourself in the lake, right? You'd drown. He said, it better if you do that than harm one of my little ones. So when we look at the five realms that make up the human condition, these are the areas of self-care. These are the areas that we need to manage in order to be whole people, to be congruent people. 
to not be in conflict with ourself. And that means that we need to take care of our physical world. That's the physical body and what we have around us and what we bring into our physical life. So who do I allow to come into my life? Who do I allow to speak to me? What are the things that in my physical realm do I take care of the home I live in? Do I make it conducive to rest and relaxation? Do I take care of the things that God has given me, the external things, cars, homes, office, belongings? What if he gives you, you know, beautiful things, paintings, jewelry, whatever it is, animals, pets? Do you take care of those things that belong to you? And do you take care of your own physical body? Because you want to think about your physical body is similar to your car. If you don't take care of your car, it won't take you where it needs to go. And then you have to depend on everybody else to get there, right? Or you're late to places or don't show up. Or if you don't take care of your car, it doesn't drive well, maybe the brakes don't work, and you get in a car accident with someone because you don't take care of your car. Well, it's just as serious when it comes to your own physical body. If you don't take care of you, somebody has to. And it's wonderful if you have someone that's willing to step up and take care of you. But why would we want to do that to somebody as a grown adult? That we would not take care of ourselves because we're lazy, we don't feel we're worth it, it's hard work, it takes, you know, um, self-control. It's not easy to take care of ourselves. It's easier to take care of other people. And we have a tendency to then kind of talk ourselves into the fact that, well, you know, I do take such good care of all these people that I love that maybe somehow that, that's good enough. Instead of God saying to us, listen, you belong to me, and I'm counting on you to take care of the one that I love. If you take care of others after, because you're taking such good care of yourself, you have a lot of energy and time to take care of others, that's great. But if you don't do you, it's a great affront to God. Because you're valuable to him, and he's trusting you. So we take care of our physical body. What we eat. Do we sleep? Do we drink too much? Do we smoke? Do we eat too much candy? Too many carbohydrates? Do we not exercise? Do we not stretch our bodies? Because our bodies are going to be aging, and if we don't take care of them, somebody else is going to have to, right? So it doesn't mean that we're indulging our body. It means that we don't get another one. So, you know, let's say I don't take care of my car. Well, I guess I can go buy another one. Well, I can't go buy another body. And so when people love you, they want you to care for you. Just like God wants you to care for the one he loves, all the people in your life want you to take care of the one they love. So think about that. The physical world that you live in, how do you care for the things that are outside of you? How do you care for what you live in, your body that you live in? Are you careful what you put in your mind? Are you careful about being positive and not falling into negativity because negativity, it's like gravity. It's easy. It's easy to be negative. It takes effort to not be. 
And it's good for our soul. It's good for our brain. They've done so much study on the brain and how the brain is affected by one negative thought. One negative word sends a wash of stress hormones all through your brain once you have one negative thought, which puts the whole body on alert, which means that you're going to have more adrenaline, right? It's hard on the body. So God is wanting us to control our minds because our mind controls so many other parts of our body and the rest of our life, like a ripple effect. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we really elaborate on this whole idea of what we are going to care for in this new year. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm your host, Cynthia Hyatt. Really appreciate all the, the, the comments on social media and the emails and listening to the shows and what you and sending them to your friends. And I want to make sure also that you can you understand that we are doing a new thing this year. If you are wanting to use the show as the podcast as a, for a small group, we can get you a script and study questions. So let me know. You can always contact me through CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com, and I can get that set up for you. So we are talking about really managing our internal and our external world. And so there's little that we really can manage in the external world other than maybe what we own, right? But we really want to make sure that we set up the external world to support us internally, But at the same time, the stronger I am internally, the less I worry about the external. The external isn't nearly as important when I have strengthened the internal world. So we talked in the last segment about physical. And the physical place is the best place to start. How you care for you on a daily basis has so much to do with how you tolerate the external world. Because there are so many things in the external world we have no control over. And I'm frequently telling myself, tell clients all day, acceptance, the key to all my problems, right? I accept the things I can't change. I change the things I can. The sooner I can get over accepting things that I cannot change, the better it is on my entire body and my mind. It is less stress in my life. And if you've ever studied the effects of stress on humans, that is the greatest cancer that we could do to ourselves, is stress. And the stress that we induce in terms of the way that we think and what we let ourselves ruminate on have a lot to do with how effective our brain is. Because you have to understand, the human brain learns from us, and it learns to think in a way that we've taught it. The more that I ruminate on negative things, the more negative things it will find for me. Just like a GPS, it begins to create a route. So the more positive I am, the greater tendency my mind has to support positivity. It finds positive things for me to ruminate and think on. Which we know that that great verse in Proverbs 23.7 says, For as a man thinketh within, so he is. So God knew very well that how I think 
translates into who I am and how I am. So think about that, the physicality of things. We're going to talk more about the intellectual uh, realm in a little bit. But the next thing I want you to realize is that physically I care for myself. Well, what do I do socially? Because humans are social creatures. We need to socialize. So what we want to make sure is that while we socialize, we're not sabotaging, right? And we can do that if we get too caught up in the way we think about things. If we allow ourselves to think negative things about people we're attempting to socialize with. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to be Pollyanna, okay? We're not going to ignore things that need to be addressed. But it means that we're going to really smooth ourselves out. And I, I tell clients frequently, you know, I say, you're like a walking piece of Velcro. You snag on everything. My goodness, smooth it down, right? Let things go. See, just because I let something go doesn't mean I'm in favor of it. So I frequently remind myself accepting something does not necessarily mean agreeing with it. But do I fight about everything? Do I really need to control what other people think? If they think I accept something they're doing, I, I guess they don't know me very well. But I can't fight with that. I can't fight with trying to control their internal world. So I need to be able to figure out my level of intimacy with different people in my life. The closer I am to somebody, the more affected I am by them. The more I'm going to need to use words to tell them how I feel and to tell them what's important to me because it directly affects how close we can be. The farther somebody else, somebody is on like that continuum, the less I need to tell them what I think and what I feel. The more I can just socialize with them. I can ignore all kinds of things. And I'm frequently telling clients, you know, I have in my head this ignore-delete button. I ignore so many things. I delete so many things. I'm not going to clutter my mind and my heart with things that occur in my social world. I want to enjoy socializing as best as I can, which means I need to ignore and delete a lot of things, right? Because it's not my problem, and I'm not God, and I'm not their parent. So depending on the level of intimacy has a lot to do with how many things I let go. So this is really important because we need to socialize. So I want you to think about all the different people in your life and if you think about a rock dropped in a pond and there's a ripple effect, well, the first ripple, I have very few people on that ripple. That's a very close ripple. But as it moves out, I have lots of people. And some people are on like ripple number 55. Because if I put them on ripple number five, I might kill them, right? <laughs> I'm saying that tongue in cheek. But some people I have to put farther out in the pond, so that I can truly love them and not hate them, despise them, speak against them, gossip about them, right? Because they might just get so underneath my skin. So I have to be careful how close I let certain people be in my life without contaminating me or me being somebody I know God is not wanting me to be. So some people I have to love at a greater distance. And so the closer the person the more intimacy we should be having, which means the more honest I need to be. 
and the more willing I need to be to receive feedback and not get offended. And that's tough. I don't like hearing bad things about me. I don't like hearing things that people don't like about me or want me to change. But I have to remind myself, the majority of people that would take the time to tell me how they feel, tell me what they want changed, are the people that actually want to be close to me. And they're also the people that actually care about me because otherwise they wouldn't put that kind of time. So think about you and the effect you have and also the effect others have because I don't want you to limit your social life simply because you can't get over people, simply because you need people to be a certain way so that they bring out a good version of you, otherwise you can't be around them. Now, obviously, you know, there, there's some weight to, to this as well. We have to be careful who we socialize with. There are some people I have to be very careful how much time I spend with them because they will contaminate me and they, they, they will corrupt me. I'll get such negative feelings about them, it, it will not be good. So I have to be careful. But I also have to make sure that I'm not acting immaturely and expecting the world to be perfect, to bring perfect behavior out of me. That everywhere I go, there I am. And I need to bring the best version of me everywhere I go, even if others don't notice it, respect it, accept it, or enjoy it. Because ultimately, I'm answering to God for who I am everywhere I go. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about the intellectual realm and how we manage that as well as the emotional and psychological areas of our lives. Well, good afternoon. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you always for joining, and thank you for all the comments that you have in social media and just letting us know what is helpful to you and also what you would prefer. So you can always email me either through the website or you can email me at CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com. If you want me to talk about a certain topic, issue, if you want some uh, elucidation on something, some kind of, uh, I don't know, thought or theory, I would love to answer that for you. So we are talking about self-care. And am I willing to care for God's precious little one, which is me? Because to God, I'm a little kiddo. And am I willing to be the adult that takes care of that little one that God loves? And that has a lot to do with self-management, reparenting, being the person that I'm needing, not being someone that is hateful, condescending, condemning, angry, mean, disgusted with me all the time, and not someone that is also giving myself excuses for bad behavior, for bad ways of thinking or talking, and for ways that aren't really good care for me. And making excuses for why I eat what I eat or don't eat what I eat or why I don't exercise or do or why I spend time looking at a certain type of media and I don't, I don't know, read my Bible. Be willing to take some time, even if it's five minutes a day, to get some of God's heart and mind into me. 
So the intellectual world has so much to do with thinking. And I'm frequently saying to people, do you believe everything you think? And you know, we can get really lazy in our mind. And we can have a thought that pops up because our brain learns us and is constantly giving us thoughts that it thinks we want. And I have to be willing to say, that's not how I want to think because I know where that leads me. Or I don't think that's an appropriate thought. Or I better check that out and see if that thought is true. So we know that as a man thinketh within, so he is. We know even now we have studied the brain so much that we know that in less than one-tenth of a negative thought, your brain gets a wash of stress hormones, which is really hard on the brain. Because what happens then, the more negatively you think, the more it learns how to do that more proficiently. And the more it will offer you negative things to think about. And it will start criticizing your external world, criticizing you, criticizing others. Whatever it is, whatever the habit that your brain has been taught, it becomes more efficient at it. So that goes along with the emotional psychological realm. Because the way that I think has so much to do with how I feel emotionally. And psychologically, how I view the world. And how I answer all these different questions that my mind has about how the world acts. So I start filling in the blanks. And, you know, I may or may not know that that is actually true. So I may look at somebody on the street corner and go, oh my gosh, I know about them. That's that kind of a person. Do I really know that? So I need to be very careful about letting my thoughts explain emotionally and psychologically what it means to me. Because I have to answer to that. So if I let those thoughts create emotions and I just go with those emotions, I'm going to have to deal with the behaviors that come, come as a result of those emotions. So you can see we're very, very intricately connected. So I can challenge my emotions. Sometimes I can be offended or hurt or scared or worried or feel insecure. And I can use my thinking to say, hey, is that what God would say? Is there something I need to change? If I'm hearing myself do self-condemnation, I know psychologically what that does to me. That changes my whole entire view of the external world. Emotionally, I know how weighty that is and how much that weighs me down when I'm condemning myself. When I'm condemning others, it causes me not to trust the external world at all. So I want you to think about this whole idea of how intellectually I affect myself emotionally, psychologically, and then what does that do? Well, it affects me socially because I'm going to have a harder time socializing. And what does that do then physically? Well, I start to feel more stress as a human. And the more stress I feel, the worse I feel, then that goes back to the emotional psychological realm. And I start to prove to myself why the world is so bad, why others are so bad, why I'm so bad. And then you can see the enemy, really, the enemy of your soul is having a party. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about 
Be your own best version, who God has truly created you to be. Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we are talking about managing our internal and external world. And you and I both know that we have a lot more control over the internal world than we do the external world, even though we have a tendency to do it backwards. We all have this tendency to want to control the outside world so that we feel better inside. And so I want you to think about this whole, what it means, this internal and external world. And as much as we try to ignore, deny, or explain, even distract ourselves from it, being alive is this unsolvable mystery. And many times it can be cruel. Sometimes it's inspiring, joyful, right? Frightening. But the mystery that affects most human beings is this fact that unlike all the other animals, we have the potential for this self-awareness and the ability to understand significant portions of ourselves, other people, life, nature, these types of things. But fulfilling that human potential to be self-aware and to work toward understanding those life mysteries, that's the beginning of the internal life. And the internal life, that's the result of mastering our mental and emotional, the internal needs and potentials. And see, the internals, those needs are really defined by that universal need for self-worth, for purpose, for meaning, for intimacy. And so the internal potentials really are defined by this uniquely human potential that we have to understand, to care, to, to create, to contribute. Now, in contrast... The external life, this is defined by every need and potential outside that that are outside of our minds and our emotions, like the need for food and clothing and shelter, transportation, you know, our, our potential to be physically healthy, to, you know, professionally be successful, financially secure. So in normal life, we have this tendency to merge the internal and the external needs and wants, as well as potentials rather than create those clear definitions and have a detailed understanding of ourselves, life, and other people. So we can create this really confusing chaos of feelings, beliefs, and vague notions, and not really sure what's happening. Is it in me or is it outside of me? You know, can I control it? Do I have to accept it? So this lack of clearly defining the internal and external life is really one of the major reasons that human beings have failed in creating intimacy, of evolving mentally and emotionally. So they crave these long-term romantic relationships, and they struggle with how to parent children. You know, not just be able to make a living, but to really have self-worth, to, to affect the world positively, to understand themselves in life. And so instead of, you know, evolving, you know, we've had like, I don't know, 200,000 years or more of human existence on planet Earth that we know about, we still can't live in harmony with each other, with nature. We're still motivated by fear and greed. 
We still resolve conflicts, oftentimes with violence. We exploit the weak. You know, we don't, we don't take care of the planet in, in many ways. We distract ourselves with drugs, alcohol, mindless entertainment, right? Instead of really creating this intensely satisfying and truly meaningful internal and external life. So if we look at the world through the eyes of this all-powerful creator, you know, we could imagine how he might feel disappointed in humans. Maybe he'd be inclined to wipe the slate clean. Well, he did it once, right? Maybe he considers it a failed experiment. But thankfully, we know that that's not true. He keeps trying. He keeps trying. So why are we not reciprocating? with that same amount of effort. We need to do more than just survive. We need to thrive. There's no reason for us not to thrive. And that doesn't mean that we have to have a perfect life to thrive. So this is super important as we look at this internal and external world. And the idea of how we are doing this in terms of taking care of that life that God has given us. And so the emotional psychological leads us to the spiritual. And what we have known about humans, as we have studied them as far back as we can remember them being here or know that they've been here, is that they are always looking for something bigger. There's got to be something more out there. And that's what spirituality is. Spiritual, spirituality is knowing that there is something bigger than just me. There's something more meaningful than just pleasure. There's something more out there. There's love that continues to be pursued. There's forgiveness that continues to be forgiven because it just resets us. There's all these amazing character qualities that we want to engage in and that we want to expect from other humans. And that has so much to do with spirituality. That there's got to be more than just this existence down here. And we as Christians know there is more. There is way much, much more. And so we don't want to squander this life that God has given us. We want to make sure that we are really, really accomplishing what he has intended for us to have down here. Because a lot of what we're doing down here is setting us up for heaven. How much am I going to enjoy heaven? How much am I going to be able to really comprehend who my creator is? And I want to be an overcomer down here on earth. And it's tough to do. And so we have to integrate that spiritual peace into our daily life. So when we look at someone else, we have to know there's something more to them too than just what my eyes are seeing or what I'm experiencing of them. There's something so much more to them. And if they're not attaining that, I need to be feeling sorrow or compassion as to what's getting in the way of them being who God originally designed for them to be. And knowing that every single person that your eyes see belong to God. Every single person is known by God. And every single person is equally important to him. So part of that spiritual practice is valuing what God values. So we want to integrate, we want to practice 
all these, these directives within these five arenas. That means that in my internal and external world, I want to practice a position of intention. I want to bring the year to a close and keep it closed. I want to allow for new beginnings. So I'm managing the internal and external world, and I'm doing that by loving God, loving myself, loving others, physically, socially, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. And this is where we get a lot of incongruence and conflict because we're not always necessarily making this distinction between the internal and the external world. And we are externalizing our inside world. So if I hate me inside and I externalize that internal world outside, I end up hating everybody else. And I assume they hate me. Now, if I internalize the external world, what might that look like? A lot of that has to do with why we have people that are striving unnecessarily. They can't find peace. This is one of the reasons we have things like addictions, especially things like eating disorders. Because the eating disordered person sees what the external world is requiring or, or revering, and they internalize that as to be who they should be instead of finding out who they are and revering who God has made them to be, whatever that may or may not look like. And so we have to be very careful about knowing the difference between my internal world and am I putting my internal world onto others and assuming they feel and think and believe and act the same way I do? Am I misinterpreting what I'm seeing externally? And thinking that that defines me internally. So this is super important as we are working on these incongruencies. Because as we talked about in the beginning, there's this ripple effect. So it means if I'm trying to control my external world first and hoping that it ripples inwardly, I'm kind of doing things backwards. And I'm going to get tired and discouraged. Now, that does not mean that the external world can't tremendously help us. That's what I do every day. I want to give people in my life, in my practice, a different experience of themselves and of another person. So I want them to experience me in a way that maybe they have not experienced people. Maybe they've not had compassion or acceptance or non-judgmentalism. Or maybe they've never been with someone that they could be honest with and not be condemned. So this is where we want to make sure that we are understanding the difference between the internal and the external world. And that I'm making sure, is it going out from me or is it coming in toward me? And am I wanting what's coming out of me to actually come out and be seen? And what I'm internalizing from the external world, do I really want to take that in? So this is where, when we are managing our internal areas, the emotional, the intellectual, the spiritual, it's much easier to manage the external world. I have a lot better perspective on it. And this is because I'm not managing the external world so that I feel good. See, my internal world, the world of emotions and ideas, the emotional world, the spiritual world, right, 
the external world is that physical and social world. So what do I need to do to live in love? And that's one of the things we're going to talk about next week, is the importance of managing those arenas inside of me so I can truly love people, even when they are so unlovable, even when they hurt me, even if they actually harm me. Love covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't necessarily take it away. And love, when I'm covering sin, does not mean I'm pretending like it didn't happen. I'm not excusing it. But I'm wanting to see the person through it. I'm wanting to say, I don't want to let their sin that I'm seeing or experiencing define that person, just as I don't want to be defined by my own sin, my own lack, my own struggles. I don't want those to define me. And it's my job as an adult to make sure that I'm acting congruently so that I'm presenting to the world the best version of me. And I'm not expecting them to adjust always to me. That I'm recognizing that this world is a tough place. Everybody's got problems. <laughs> Everybody's struggling. Everyone is stressed. Everyone is sad at some point, angry upset, insecure, everyone. This is the human condition. The more that we can see past that stuff that irritates and annoys and offends us, to say there really is a person in there. And the harder that person is to deal with usually means the more they're struggling with. The people that are really managing themselves well are really the people easy to be with. So I really want to encourage you to be really focusing on and really recognizing the internal, the external world, how congruent they are, how you're managing them, and how you are practicing self-care for yourself, for others, and being the best version of you. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week as we talk about learning to live in love. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.